We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to the Rams Talk Podcast, the, the Butting Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I guess this is also kind of the Rams Talk Podcast. It's the best Rams Talk Podcast, so we're going to go with it. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. I am back still uh, shaking off the shivers from being out in freezing cold Chicago. But Johnny, I mean, once again, I think the Rams season is over you know, according to Twitter, Jared Goff's got to go. You know, Sean McVay, Jared Goff's back in 2016 mode. Sean McVay, he, you know, he's not the guy to get us over the hump. I mean, you think all is lost here in Los Angeles? Well, I think someone should call Jeff Fisher because, you know, this was his team after all. So, you know, that's what we want, right? We want a veteran coach. Uh, maybe, maybe we can go find, you know, some some other quarterback. Maybe we can start Sean Mannion. Uh, you know, some something to that extent, you know, because golf isn't the answer, obviously. So we might as well give it to to Sean Mannion, right? 
Yeah, and you know who got a big win this week? That John Gruden. I think we should trade Sean McVay for John Gruden. No, he's worth every bit of that 10-year, $10 million a year contract. So, And, I mean, you know, we got a kid coaching the team. He can't get it done. Uh, it's not going to work out. All right. <laughs> oh, man. I love losing. <laughs> well, we're going to talk all about this loss in a slightly more serious manner. But, of course, guys, you can find Ramstock Radio in all of our podcasts, including us, Rampage Radio, and the Ramstock Podcast, which – I had just recorded tonight with Derek and Bleeding Green Nation's Brandon Gowan, who was a great guest, and it's a great show, and that should be out on Thursday, I believe. So definitely check that out uh, whenever that comes into your feeds. But if you're looking for that podcast, you could find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, and Spotify. And, of course, don't forget iBeatRadio.com, where our show airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All right. So, obviously, the Rams lost this week. Uh, it was a pretty horrifying loss. Uh, the worst game of Jared Goff's career, I think, you know, pretty conclusively. Maybe some other games in his rookie year might have been worse numbers-wise, but nothing like this, given expectations and everything. I was at the game. I, you know, I'll get into how I felt being there live, but, Johnny, I just want to get your initial reaction after you know watching this game unfold. You know, as a fan, you want to see your team play perfect, you know, all 16 games of the year. And seeing Goff and and really the entire offense struggle as bad as they did, it it was frustrating. And there's no doubt about it. You know, I was was definitely saying some unkind things to my TV, uh, as I'm sure – pretty much every other Ram fan that was watching but at the end of the day you know is it the end of the world not necessarily I'd rather this kind of come out now and see how the Rams could address moving forward you know we forget that this is still you know a young team especially you know Goff even though he looks very professional uh, he was looking like you know one of the best quarterbacks out there you know, he has his moments. You know, we've we seen this with uh, Drew Brees, who had a terrible game against the Cowboys. Really didn't have that great of a game against, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past week either. Um, you know, he was able to win. But again, this is a mediocre uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. What we have to remember is the Bears are a damn good team, especially defensively. And they're the number one defense in the league, guys. There's And it's for a good reason. They have an amazing defense. And kudos, you mentioned Gruden. Uh, you know, kudos to uh, the Bears for <laughs> for getting one of the best defenders in the league in Khalil Mack. He didn't he didn't have a whole lot of uh, of, uh, you know, numbers to speak of, but it didn't matter because his presence was there. And it opened up a lot of gateways to, uh, you know, other players on the defense. So, you know, it was frustrating. It was definitely something I didn't want to see or any of us really wanted to see. But at the end of the day, it was a it was a tough team. You know, the Bears were the better team that night, that night. And now it's just up to uh, the coaching staff and, and the team to move forward from this. I think they will. And we're going to get into everything about this loss i think being there in person though it was cold 
Um, I, you know, for our Los Angeles based listeners, if you would, any of you guys go out to the game in the Coliseum, if it was 25 degrees, like Johnny, what, what, if you looked at the temperature at going to a game in LA and it said 25 degrees and with the wind chill being under 20, I mean, like, would you consider just not going to that game? Uh, I mean, if I had plans to go to the game, absolutely. I'd still go. Yeah. yeah you got to uh, tough it out. Yeah. I mean. I know there'd be quite a few people like, oh, hell no, that's too cold. Um, but no, for me, I, I'm a diehard. I'll, I'll go in the rain. Hell, if it snows out in California by some miracle, uh, well, I guess let me let me rephrase that. If it snows out in Los Angeles by some miracle, uh, then, yeah, I'll still go to that too. <laughs> Snow football games are great. You know, they it's much cooler, I think, me personally. I'd rather – if it's going to be cold, I'd rather it snow. I think snow is fun. Unless I'm driving. If I'm not driving, I think snow is more fun than just freezing your ass off. And this game, man, it was – I got to the tailgate around 5 central time. Uh, so for you guys, that's 3. For us New Yorkers, it's like 6. Uh, you know, I had some fun for a couple hours. I, I'm going to give a shout-out to the Rams fans that went to this game – uh, you know, if you guys are listening, maybe maybe I saw some of you guys there. I did a little who's chant, who's house chant in the parking lot going to the game, so that was nice. There wasn't a ton of Rams fans. There was I was clearly a Bears home game, but I've been to plenty or a decent amount of Rams games in over the Fisher era and a couple before that with Spagnolo, and I can tell you there was maybe like. Four or five Rams fans I'd see at a time. I saw saw some Isaac Bruce jerseys here. I believe I saw a Robert Quinn jersey, a couple of Jared Goff. So kudos to all the fans that came out with me and embraced the cold. And now the game itself, I mean, I was layered up. I had a couple layers on. I only had one pair of socks on. My feet were freezing. I could barely move. And I got to watch the Rams play pretty definitively their worst game of the season. I got to see Jared Goff uh, play the worst game of his career. I mean, he was terrible. Uh, The line was even worse. Again, we'll get to all this. But going into that game and the atmosphere building up to the game, all the Bears fans were hyped as hell. That crowd was loud. Even in the cold, that stadium felt full. I mean, people were very excited for that game. It was awesome. And then just... To see how disappointing the result on the field was, man, that just sucked. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm glad I went. It was a fun time, but good God. I, I You know, that would have been nice to come out of the cold with a win in a game that felt winnable up until the end, and just we could not get our act together that entire time. I mean, that was that was baffling, but I mean, if any of you guys live out near Chicago, it's, that's an awesome place to see a game, and it was well worth the trip. But because we're going to get pretty in-depth into this game right now, I, I do want to give a shout-out first to one of our sponsors, and that is Jim Hawk, who's been fantastic for us in his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who is an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Guys, I mean, this is just a great experience here to learn about the Rams history with a bit of a personal touch and learn about guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, Les Richter, 
and more spanning this story of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com. You can follow him on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. You can find this book in hardback and electronic form, various booksellers through the internet, including, of course, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And I heard a paperback's coming soon, guys. That Seriously, this book is worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. But it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, check it out. Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Trust me, guys, this is well worth your time. Okay, Johnny, talk about Jared Goff because I feel like I just talked for four minutes without a break. I need a sip of water. How do you feel about just everything we saw in this game from Goff? Well, to be honest, the the real reason you actually said it a little bit earlier about why the Rams lost, and that's because you attended the game, Steve. <laughs> you know uh, what? I was on a hot streak. The Rams, I saw them beat the Buccaneers. Then I saw them beat the Jets. Then I saw them beat the Giants. So I, I was winning three in a row, all right? And they let me down, man. Maybe I <laughs> can only go to games on the East Coast because they're 0-3 seeing them in the Midwest. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as Jared Goff is concerned, he he looked lost out there, to be quite honest. He just couldn't handle the pressure very well. And not for nothing either. You know, this is a, a scary good defense. You know, this is uh, this is probably one of the best all-around defenses in the league, I'd say. And it, it's it's something that he couldn't, you know, he just couldn't nail right. You know, he he wasn't able to pass down the field accurately. Uh, and I think part of it had to do with the cold, you know. It's just something he's not used to. And uh, he he tried to settle for shorter passes, and that wasn't really working well either because this is a really fast linebacking core that can cover. So that didn't help. And, you know, at the end of the day, he was trying to make something happen. And, you know, of course, when you try a little bit too much, it ends up backfiring in it, and it did for, for Goff. He just kept, uh, you know, throwing these passes that were just plain out ugly and as a result he kind of looked like hell out there certainly the worst I've seen him since probably um not not even his rookie year because his rookie year wasn't too bad I would say it was more like the second year that he played under you know Fisher ball he he just you know it, it looked bad but I think part of the reason too which I I don't know if I necessarily like, you know, the, the uh, commentators kind of mentioned this. Well, not kind of, they mentioned this a lot, you know, and you saw, you saw it from camera angles where Sean McVay was kind of, you know, get reporting the place to him, you know, up until that final second of the, of the game clock. And that kind of thing, you know, just, it, it just uh, doesn't work very well. And I, I don't know if, if golf just completely didn't have control over the game, but you know, it just obviously something wasn't working. So overall the, I would, I wouldn't just kind of pin this on golf. I, I mean, he had a, he had a terrible game for sure, but I'd say the, the entire offense pretty much had a terrible game. Oh yeah. It was ugly all around. And I, I do want to talk about a little golf a little bit more and then we'll get to that. But yeah, man, like, Watching this game, just some of these throws, it's like who – he wasn't even close on a ton of these. I mean, 
that one one of his incompletions when he hit Reynolds in the sideline, that was a great throw that Reynolds, you know, a veteran receiver probably makes that play. And no disrespect to Reynolds. I mean, it's just, it happens. But most of his interceptions outside of the one at the end of the half, yeah, he had four overall. He really had three. But, I mean, most of them were just not good passes. You know, he And he's prone to, like, over the year, he's thrown some bad picks. I mean, most, like, for the most part, he's been a killer, like a, I'm absolutely incredibly happy with this guy's performance on the season overall. You know, I can't, I'm going to be fine with giving him the money he's going to get when, when he comes up for an extension. I mean, over a five game span before the last two weeks, he had 18 touchdowns and one interception. If my math is right, 14 touchdowns, my math was not right. Of course, 14 touchdowns and one interception. I mean, that is a hell of a run, but the last two weeks, man, he has not looked very good. He set his, or last week was his second lowest uh, completion percentage of the season behind Denver, shattered it this week, completing 45% of his passes on 20 for 44 throwing. He did not look good at any point in this game, I don't think, and I think a big part of that is the cold. Now, I, I have been kind of planting the seeds of this take for a couple times in this podcast. We talked about it last week. I said, I really think he struggles in the cold. I think it was evident in this game. But it's, and to be honest, this Jerry Goff can't play in the cold take. We're not going to have to revisit it for the rest of the season. I think it's probably true. We can have this conversation when we play in a cold weather game next year, but the playoffs either run through us or New Orleans. Neither of those places are cold. One is indoors. So it really doesn't matter. So I'm just going to move on from that part. You don't play this bad entirely because of the cold. I don't. I like. I, I just can't blame this entirely on the cold. Part of it is on McVay. Um, I think Goff, for how bad he looked the whole game, should not have thrown the ball 44 times compared to 11 rushes for Todd Gurley. And part of it is on the O-line who – you know, the past two weeks, they, they've looked old. They, you know, Whitworth in particular has, he, his age is catching up to him. I, I think he's going to be fine for the playoffs, but the pass protection has not been great. The run protection also hasn't been great. I mean, this, this line just, they ha, they haven't looked good. And I mean, this is Jared Goff's second straight bag game. Uh, Johnny, I, I want to ask, long term for the rest of the year, I mean, are you concerned about the offensive line? and how they're going to perform, and to a lesser extent, Jared Goff, and how, you know, do you think these two weeks are going to be fuel for him to have a comeback game next week, or, like, do you think, you know, this he might be, re- I don't want to say regressing, but hitting a funk of some sorts. Goff hadn't really had that bad of a season uh, up until these past two weeks. Yeah, he kind of struggled a little bit in Denver, but it wasn't, honestly, I didn't feel like it was that bad. You know, it wasn't that great, obviously, but um, it wasn't that bad either. This, you know, the past two weeks was terrible, you know. I mean, in in Detroit, he kind of made up for it towards the end of the game. But as you mentioned, you know, Goff didn't really look good at all this game. And I will blame a lot of this not only on Goff. You know, of course, he deserves a, you know, big chunk of the blame because, you know, he – he played terrible. There's no excuse for it. You know, the cold. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The cold uh, is a, a big factor in it. Um, but a lot of the time, 
uh, Goff was also making, you know, poor decisions. Uh, as you, you know, recall, the the interceptions were just awful. You know, you 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 have to really look at the mindset there, and you know the the decision to throw in like triple coverage, uh, to throw in you know under pressure off your back foot uh, after being pressured. It just it was all kind of bad decision making on his part and he looked like a rookie again if I'm going to be honest that being said one of the reasons why I think the the Rams did very poorly was because of the play calling and while I'm not going to sit here and say McVay needs to be fired or anything like that uh, I will say McVay should have handled this a lot better and it's kind of one of the things I've I, I've been kind of hinting at for most of the season is that he abandons the run far too quickly than he should. And the thing about it is it wouldn't necessarily matter if the Rams don't have a good running game, but you have one of the best, if not the best running back in the league, and he's sitting there, you know, being nothing more than like a glorified blocker, which is not what Todd Gurley is meant to do. You know, you're supposed to feed Gurley. You know, there's a reason why he's an MVP candidate and, you know, we're not using him. 11 touches is not enough to really establish a rhythm. And this is 11 touches throughout the game, not 11 touches in a quarter. That's that's not that's not a good play calling. You know, if if you if you're throwing over 40 passes and none of them look that pretty. Why are you, you know, going to the pass so often? You know, I, I realize that, you know, that's kind of money with golf on a usual basis, but the bears were basically daring them to pass. And, you know, at the end of the game, they started running the ball a little bit more, but at that point they needed to pass the ball because they needed to get down the field. So I I have to kind of blame this game also on on Sean McVay because he he didn't manage the game as well as he should have. Again, I'm not going to sit here and and call for his head and say, you know, we need to find a better coach. No. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still a young coach as well. Obviously, he favors the past, but I think he did learn a few things here and I think he will uh, consider this, you know, if we get into a similar situation. Hopefully we don't see this again. Hopefully we won't see, you know, this this Jared Goff that uh, we don't really like to see. Well, I think with McVay, I think it will be a learning experience for him because we have the blueprint to overcoming a bad Jared Goff game. The reason why you know, we Denver seems like it, it didn't go that poorly for Jared Goff it's because Todd Gurley ran the ball 28 times for 208 yards and two touchdowns. The pass wasn't working, so we went to the run, and Todd Gurley absolutely torched them. He was never going to do that against Chicago, but you got to think if you gave him the chance to get going, you know, maybe he starts going. Uh, I, I believe it was Norm on the postgame podcast mentioned that you, you run all these play-action passes. When you're not running the ball, there's no point in doing play-action because the defense is going to bite on it. And... Even if you don't think Gurley's getting going, how many games this year have we seen the Rams run ridiculous amounts of motions and a good amount of jet sweeps? Because they didn't run a single jet sweep in this game. They just 
passed and passed and passed, and it was clear that you know Goff, this wasn't his day. And even last week when he had a bad game, the the Rams ran the ball with Todd Gurley 23 times for 132 yards and two touchdowns. So in every game really where he was struggling, those were Gurley's best games, and Gurley made up for him struggling. And in this game, you, know, you take away Todd Gurley's two best runs of the day, and he had nine rushes for seven yards. So it may not be as clear to us or to McVay as it was to us because when he ran the ball, he was probably getting frustrated at the lack of yards. But you have to stick with your guy when it's Todd Gurley, especially when Jared Goff is playing that poorly because, you know, that at some point he's going to break through on one. you got to hope. you got to expect it because I think he's more likely to break through than Goff was of rebounding in that game in the past, especially considering what we know about him playing in the cold weather and especially considering what we saw before that and even going back to last week. I mean, long term, no, I'm not concerned that Jared Goff is going to be – struggling I think he's going to get back into form but at the same time these last two weeks his interceptions have been bad interceptions and last week he got he almost threw an interception on screen passes on back-to-back plays I mean those guys are in your face you should be able to tell if they're gonna be able to intercept the ball and that is the one thing about Goff over the past couple games that does concern me is the mistakes and I think he will clean it up. You know, it's. I think this is going to be a learning experience for everyone. If Jared Goff has been at one thing in his career, it's been getting better and learning. And yeah, he's gotten better every year. He's learned a lot every year. It seems like he's. He seems coachable from by all accounts. No, I. I have faith, but I am slightly skeptical. And uh, you know, as far as McVeigh goes, I this to him more than anything. I think really will be a learning experience because. You mentioned he's a very young coach. I mean, in coaching terms, he's basically a, a kid right out of college out there. You know, obviously he's not, but he's in his early 30s. There's not many NFL coaches that are in his their early 30s. I mean, he's literally was the youngest coach in NFL history. So this will be a good experience for him learning wise. Uh, you know, we've never had a, a game really in his tenure where we just straight up gotten our ass whooped like this. The Saints in the first half happened, but. That Saints offense was more the reason, and that's not really McVay's, you know, side of the ball. Obviously, the whatever the fake punt or the fake field goal. I don't want to get back into that, but yeah, I ultimately I think this will be a learning experience for McVay. But Johnny, let's go to the other side of the ball here, because I, I thought the defense played great, but people are concerned because the run defense, as good as the pass defense looked, I mean. Jared Goff looked bad, but Mitchell Trubisky might have looked even worse. The run defense was not great, and Jordan Howard literally had his first 100-yard game of the year. Tariq Cohen, who I thought was going to torch us, still had nine rushes for 69 yards and four receptions for 20 yards. I mean, the linebacking core, I think, was the clear weakness in this game, but I mean, how, how are you feeling about the defensively on the side of the, in this this particular game? You know, defensively, uh, I was actually really proud of what I saw out there. Uh, I mean, maybe not so much the run defense. Line Linebacker was the obvious point of weakness, as you said. But, you know, overall, you know, the Bears may not have that, you know, high-flying offense that the Rams were known for, but their offense has been known to, you know, put up some points, 
you know, at certain uh, against certain teams. So to have the Rams, you know, limit them to just 15 points says quite a bit. And, you know, a lot of that, uh, you know, I would say I would say, you know, about nine of those points came from mistakes, you know, actually more than nine points. But uh, the major mistake being the safety, uh, you know, where they allowed the only time they allowed a touchdown was after the safety. That was kind of the turning point of the game uh, because overall they were in the game. I mean, they were in the game to the final second just because it was such a low scoring uh, game. But at the same time, you have you have uh, this, you know, mindset of, you know, we, we were great against the pass, but against the run, not so much, you know. And we just still don't have that answer at linebacker yet that, you know, is an obvious void. And this is a concern going down the stretch, especially against playoff times, because uh, we're going to go against, you know, some tough running teams. And while Jordan Howard and, and Cohen are, you know, threats for sure, I wouldn't necessarily say they're the biggest threat in the playoffs. I mean, again, we the likelihood of playing against the saints in the playoffs is more and more likely, but you know, we're talking a very good running back core there. So, you know, this is a concern down the line, but even then still, despite, you know, allowing so much yards on the ground, they still only limited uh, to 15 points. And I have to say that's pretty impressive. You know, again, Maybe the Bears don't have the the best offense out there, but it's still it's still decent enough. Trubisky, I I've already kind of said my opinion on Trubisky. I'm still not sold on him as many people are, uh, but he is still a decent enough quarterback to to do some damage to a team. The inside linebackers, I think, in particular, were rough, and they they I agree with you on the Bears' offense. I think they're better than people give them credit for and but i do uh before i before i heap some praise here i do want to say there are some genuine concerns about the linebackers particularly in the inside now that we have fowler i think there's less concerns on the outside i think he's really helped short things up uh, baron has been disappointing completely disappointing littleton has regressed a little bit but i mean overall i'm still happy with the guy from him in in terms of backups that could potentially replace them i mean i don't think Fred mcwilson would do Rameek Wilson, sorry, would do any better. And you know, people are kind of calling for Micah Kaiser. Uh, me and Derek actually talk about this on Thursday's podcast. But, you know, I, I can't really imagine us benching Mark Barron for Micah Kaiser, even though I would like to see a little bit more of him. But, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head here, Johnny. The defense really gave up 10 points because two of them came from a safety and three of them came from Goff's deep in their own territory interception that – got taken to the one-yard line, in which the Rams defense came up huge and didn't let them score from their own one-yard line. So you can't blame any of this game on the defense. I don't even care that the Bears' run defense played – sorry, run offense played really well. This defense played well. The pass defense was incredible, all things considered. Mitchell Trubisky had a terrible game. And even including the three, the five points that the offense gave up, you're telling me that a team that hasn't scored over under 20 points in a game this season doesn't deserve every ounce of blame 
by losing a game in which the other team scored 15 points. I'm sorry, no. We're not putting any blame on the defense. 15 points. We literally have scored a touchdown in every game of the Sean McVay era up until this game. There, I, I agree. I'm proud of this defense. In the cold weather, they came up huge. You know, we could say all we want about the Rams not being a cold weather team. I don't really think they are, but this defense, man, they showed toughness. They showed up in prime time, and the guys on the other side of the ball, they did not, and that that includes the coach. Um, man, it's tough. And we, I, real quick before we move on, Johnny, if we see the Bears again in January, you know we're gonna obviously not be in the cold. We could throw all that out the window. I mean, just strictly on a matchup basis, and how, how do you feel we would match up again playing the Bears, but this time in our home stadium? It would be a tough matchup because, you know, you take Goff out of the cold, that's great, but you still aren't going to take uh, Goff out of the pressure. So it's still it's still going to depend on how Goff manages the game and, more importantly, how Sean McVay manages the game also. If he continues to uh, force Goff to passing, you know, 40, 50 passes a game and, you know, only giving Gurley 11 rushing attempts throughout the entire game, then no, I don't feel very confident. But again, I do think this is a learning experience for both Goff and McVeigh. So I think given the experience of this, they have a little more tape on, on the Bears now. And, you know, seeing the mistakes firsthand, I think that there's a, uh, a better chance if the Rams come to Los Angeles and play against the Bears. It won't be easy, and it'll probably still be another low-scoring affair. But at the end of the day, I still think that the Rams could win this team. It's just a matter on how they manage this game. And it's crucial at this point. I actually think this matchup is going to be on the offensive line. I think if we see the Bears again in January, they are going to make or break this game. Because I I just simply don't see Goff playing like this in January. But he's still going to need the time to throw. I don't think he's going to be making these garbage throws that he was making in this game but he's still going to need to get away from that pressure because pressure is going to make him play a little bit worse pressure is ultimately what usually forces you into mistakes and so i well i think he'll be a lot sharper in that game the line got beat by the bears badly and credit to the bears defense because i mean we're not going to see another defense like this in the playoffs no matter who we play in any of these games you know dallas's defense is playing well but the, the Bears' defense is absolutely incredible, and I I think we could take them in the playoffs. I think we would win, but, man, I, I don't really want to see them again. I, I hope this is the last we see the Bears this year. But enough about the Bears. Johnny here, before we move on, is going to tell us a little bit about our friends at the Golden Ram Barbershop, aren't you, Johnny? Well, as the games are won and lost in the trenches, let's, let's get a win by going to the Golden Ram Barbershop. Ah, you like that segue? Well, that was beautiful. <laughs> well, uh, you know, seriously, if you go to this uh, barbershop over here in Orange County, you know, you're, you're definitely going to leave with the win. Golden Ram Barbershop is at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day he the team left for St. Louis and has kept the light on ever since. This guy is by appointment only, and trust me, you're going to want to make that appointment. You know, this this guy turned Johnny 
into magic, Johnny. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. So make that appointment. Give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that, you know, your boy Magic Johnny sent you or Lil Stevie. Are we going to go with Lil Stevie? Yeah, we'll go with Lil Stevie. We can go with Lil Stevie. <laughs> that was a Derek thing, by the way, guys. But, yeah, use the promo code. Get a, an affordable haircut. Look good. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. through 6 p.m., Saturday at 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. And, again, give them a call, 714-894-7267. Check out all the awesome memorabilia. I'll tell you one thing. I've been there a couple times, and each time I go, I feel like I see something new. He has that much stuff, you know, shrining the entire barbershop. So, you know, get yourself a cut. Talk Rams football. But remember, guys, appointment only. He doesn't work on Sundays. I mean, hey, it's definitely important day to not work you gotta make sure you get the get to watching football so here you go guys absolutely i mean what why do you even have a shrine of the rams as your work if you gotta work during rams games so i don't blame sal at all for being closed on sundays so next up before we get into the eagles game i wanted the playoff race is getting tight and i thought it would be fun if me and johnny went through the schedule here for the teams fighting for the sixth seed and picked winners in each of their last three games to see who would come out with the win. Now, we made a group decision. I know they're hot, but we made a group decision to not include the Giants because they'd have to finish 8-8, eight and eight, and a lot of teams would have to lose because they don't really have a ton of tiebreakers with anybody. So, them out of the way, Johnny, we're going to go through the schedule here for Carolina, Philly, Minnesota, Washington, and Green Bay. So, We'll kind of go rapid fire here. Washington in week 15 is at Jacksonville. And honestly, I think Washington wins this game. What do you think? You know, it wouldn't surprise me, but I would feel a lot better if Alex Smith was still there. And honestly, his leg still hurts my leg, man. It really does. Yeah, but you know whose legs are good? Josh Johnson, (laughs) baby. Josh Johnson back in the mix at a hell of a game on Sunday. I'm always team Josh Johnson. That's why I'm picking Washington, uh, at least against Cody Kessler and Jacksonville. All right, so I'm going to give Washington the win then. Miami at Minnesota. Johnny, this is kind of a toss-up, so I'm going to leave this one to you. uh, It is a a toss-up just because we both know that Minnesota is a potentially good team. But recently, they haven't really shown up offensively, especially. But Miami is just like one of those teams that shows up at random times, like against the Patriots, which, uh, yeah, for for the people that still insist on having the Patriots in the top five, yeah, Miami beat them. So there's that. Okay, I had to, I had to stick that jab in against the Patriots. Hell yeah, you did. Yep. but uh on a serious note i'm gonna still give this to minnesota just because i think defensively they are still a a decent team and they have far too much talent on offense for them to to lose to a team like the dolphins and yeah for that reason alone i'm gonna give the win to minnesota okay i think i agree with you there uh green bay at chicago any chance of a rogers pulling pulling the rabbit out of his hat here and taking down that Bears defense at home? Not a chance. 
not even close. Yeah, let's go with Chicago. Uh, this one I don't want to get in depth on because we're about to talk about it, but I'm assuming we're both picking the Rams to beat the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. I would be very shocked if the Eagles beat the Rams. Well, we'll save that discussion for after this segment. Uh, lastly, New Orleans at Carolina. Uh, I have to give this one to New Orleans. Uh, I know it, even though it's at Carolina, it won't be an easy win, but uh, yeah, I, I don't see Carolina beating the Saints. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's move on to Week 16. Philly is home against Houston. Uh, if they lose to the Rams, so they're 6-8, and eight, I mean, that's a desperation game. You think they have any chance there? No. No, the Texans, they're, they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Uh, well, kind of. And, you know, I, I just don't think they have a shot against against this uh, good team. Yeah, I'm with you. So that, that ultimately eliminates our Eagles here. Green Bay at the Jets. Babe, we both gone Green Bay here, I think. Yeah, I, you know the the Jets are just kind of one of those funny teams, and uh, you know you you watch them basically to lose, and and uh, you know I I don't see them beating the the Packers. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. And actually, now that I'm looking at it, Green Bay cannot beat Minnesota in a tiebreaker. I actually does that uh, you know what we'll just keep it going. Uh, Washington at Tennessee. I think I kind of hijacked that last Washington win. So, Johnny, I'll let you pick here. Washington and Tennessee, this is going to be a tough win for Washington. And I, I don't see them beating the Titans, honestly. The Titans are kind of like one of those underrated teams, under-the-radar teams. But um, I, I just don't think the the Washington has enough tools to beat the Titans in this week. Yeah, I think you're right. right. Um, we'll see. If, if Washington shows up to Jacksonville – and, and plays like they did in the fourth quarter of a blowout, I might be changing my tune. But uh, right now, I mean, you can't pick them to win that game. Minnesota on the road at, the, at Detroit. Have we both gone Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see them losing to the Lions. It, they're, they're a good defensive team, but that's about it. And Atlanta at Carolina. Um, I'm just going to pick Carolina because I'm not entertaining the fact of Atlanta winning a game because they're terrible. So uh, the Packers are out now. We have just Minnesota, Washington, and Carolina. But Minnesota has is home against Chicago in the last week of the season. If this plays out, winning they're in. Uh, d- there is a chance this game doesn't matter to Chicago, but with the way Dallas is playing, I think it actually might. Who are you taking here? Minnesota on the road in or Chicago on the road in Minnesota. It, it seems honestly, it kind of seems like a trap game for the Bears, but uh, I I still think the Bears win this one. It you know uh, too tough of a defense and uh, offensively the struggles for the for the Vikings are just too great. I, I don't think they can win this game. Yeah, I, I agree, and to be honest. I feel like kind of an idiot because Minnesota would already be in the playoffs if they win their next two games. It'd be eight, six, and one, and none of these other teams, if they have a loss, can finish in the spot. So that being said, I think Chicago wins this game, but that Miami game for Minnesota is going to be huge for both playoff pictures because if Minnesota wins that game, all they got to do really is beat Detroit and hope that 
none of Washington and Carolina went out. And who's the other team? Philly. Philly, There's that'd be shocking if they went out. And that's it. They're in. If they lose to that to Miami, then they got to beat Chicago to make the playoffs. And, well, I think they can. It's a home game. It, it would be tough. And, I mean, you look at Washington – as not good as they are, I think they have the best chance to overtake the Vikings. I don't really think they will, and I think Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Philly is who they have to finish the season out. Not very easy, but luckily for them, they have a huge tiebreaker over the Giants, and you know that that will come into advantage or handy if the Giants win out and Washington finishes eight and eight and is ultimately up for a playoff spot. But uh, there you have it, guys. I think it's it's pretty clearly going to be the Vikings in the playoffs after going through that thought experiment. So now you know, Vikings are in. Let's talk about a team we just briefly talked about, and that is the Eagles. Johnny, I was with BGN's Brandon Lee Gowton on the Rams talk show that's coming out tomorrow. So I want to hear your thoughts on the Eagles. I mean, what's your read on the team as they currently sit? You know, this is just a decent team. You know, not you know, I, I would say they're they're pretty average on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, offensively, if you don't, you know, watch them, they could, you know, put a couple points on you. And as far as the uh, the defense is concerned, they have some players. You know, I I, I still think Fletcher Cox is a is a guy to watch out for. And yeah, I, I, you know, uh, other than that, nothing of really about them is, you know, screams elite, you know, um, much of the other teams that we've mentioned, there's at least one point or one aspect of their game that is intimidating, but really with the Eagles, they're just kind of well-rounded. If that makes any sense, they're not, they're not strong in one particular area. It's just they do things okay. They're just a mediocre team, in my opinion. They're basically, this season especially, like the definition of mediocrity. I mean, you look at their schedule. They beat in all the teams they should beat, really, for the most part. And when you look at their losses, not, nothing is really stands out as, as a bad loss. I know their worst loss was to Tampa Bay early in the season. But as we know, the very early season 2018 Tampa Bay Buccaneers were basically the equivalent of the 2001 St. Louis Rams because they were just dominating and torching everybody in every sense of the word. But I, other than that, I mean, you look at Philly's losses, they're, they're really n- nothing like stands out as bad. I mean, you lose to the Titans in overtime. Not great, but the Titans might make the playoffs. Minnesota, Carolina, Dallas, New Orleans, and Dallas. So there's a chance that they lost to half of the NFC playoff teams. If you add us in, that's four. Coming off the Super Bowl, easing in a quarterback from an injury, and then seeing your roster just completely decimated by injuries. I mean... You look at the guys they've lost. Rodney McLeod, Derek Barnett, Jay Jai, Ronald Darby. I mean, these are important players. I mean, even Mike Wallace was a, a decent part of the team. Jalen Mills, you know, they just, they've lost so many players in their secondary, especially. And even on offense, you know, uh, Josh Adams has 
stepped up as a running back for them, but losing a Jai was a big blow. So that you know, you hit it right. They really are just a completely average football team. Nineteenth overall in total offense, twenty fifth overall in total defense. So numbers wise, the stack up is a little bit less than average, but like we said, they're not really out there losing to bad teams. But ultimately that reason I mean, I, I don't really – I'm not too scared at this matchup. I think they are better than we might mentally give them credit for because of how they played, how good they were last year. And we all seem like they're just kind of not good this year, but they still have a lot of those guys. I think they're they're most likely going to keep this game competitive, especially considering how the Rams um, have played in recent weeks, which is not great. But what stands out to me the most is how just – depleted their secondary is and if the Rams offensive line can give Jared Goff any protection against a pass rush that you know they still have guys there Michael Bennett had a good game last week uh Brandon Graham is obviously stud and then our boy Chris Long as the third guy in the rotation you always got to look out for him especially when he's playing his former team I I just think that if the line can hold up and I I pray that they will because if we come back next week and the line just gets obliterated, we're going to have some serious looking in the mirror to do. But I, I just can't see that secondary holding up against this man. And, you know, ultimately, I I really don't see them losing. I'll, I'll just – I'll give my prediction, I guess, I kind of talk my way into a corner here. But I'm going to go 30 to 20 Rams. And I do think there is a chance that this game could be a blowout. Because the Rams are going to be hungry after that loss. And the Eagles might kind of be checking out after just an absolutely heartbreaking loss to the Cowboys. Where if they win that game, they're a game out of the division. And now they're really on the outside looking in the playoffs. But what are your thoughts on on this matchup, Johnny? You know, it's, it's kind of easy to look at the Rams and how poorly they played against the Bears. Uh, and suggest that they will play poorly for the rest of the year just because, uh, you know, we're not used to seeing that. And the Bears may have, you know, air quotes, uh, exposed a weakness in the Rams. But I don't see that at all. I see after this, I see a very pissed off Rams football team coming. And, you know, they're coming back home where they've been doing well. You know, they haven't lost all season. So I see I see a very pissed off, you know, Rams team. And uh, I see a not a huge blowout, but, you know, a sizable blowout. I'm looking at 38 to 14 Rams, uh, rejuvenated, hungry team. Uh, and especially I, I see Goff getting back on track with hopefully the offensive line holding up on their end. And, you know, Sean McVay kind of mixing it up a little bit and not just, you know, passing, you know, every single play. Yeah, I, th- I think they will give the ball back to Gurley a little bit in this game. But it's weird because even coming off a game where Gurley clearly needed more touches, I do want to see them let Goff get a little loose, get his mojo back in this game because given how the secondary has looked, I-, I think it's the perfect chance for it. But really what I want to see is just that blend of good offense and good defense and and good offense in terms of both running and passing. And, you know, I want to see a complete game for the Rams because I, I defend the Rams against the 
Chiefs a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, how long has it been since we felt – or I didn't even specify what I said. Sorry, guys. It's, like, very late, and I'm doing my second podcast. The Rams' defense, we defended their performance slightly against the Chiefs, but they still gave up 51 points even though they did make a lot of plays that ultimately helped us win that game. But I, we haven't really seen a complete performance by the Rams since – yeah, you know, at best the the Packers game. If if you think the defense played well enough that game, and if not, then it will be the Denver or not Denver, San Francisco. The Rams, the games their defense, their offenses play bad. Their defenses picked up the slack, and vice versa. I just want to see both of them play good. You know, I, I want to see both sides of the ball play good. Is that too much to ask? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> no, I no, I, I think you'll see it in this game. Uh, this is this is a game that they should win, and I would say that it would be a little disappointing if they don't win. Maybe not blowout, but at least by you know ten or more points. Yeah, uh, ten. The line is actually ten points, which I was surprised by. But seeing as I picked them to win by ten, I, I think Vegas kind of actually got it about right, but. Yeah, man, it's it should be a fun game. I'm glad it didn't get flexed out of prime time because there was a, definitely a chance given how the Eagles have been. But I think this is still a decent game, and you got the story there with Goff and Wentz, obviously, going one and two. And oh, how the tide has turned on that debate, I guess. But I'll, I hope both guys have great careers, and I'd love to see both in the Hall of Fame someday. Uh, that's obviously a little premature, but, man, I hope I both, both sides with my trade. Just a little bit, yeah. Uh, I mean, Johnny, you got any any parting Rams thoughts and anything you want to lay to rest on this Bears game before we go? Uh, just that my predictions still stand and Norm's is no longer valid, so ha! Yeah, and mine does too at 13-3, and three, but I do not hope we go 13-3, and three, guys. Please, please don't do that to me. Uh, that, would, that would be rough, but... Anyways, guys, uh, you know where to find us. You can find us on Twitter at TalkRams. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RamsTalk. You can find me on Twitter at SeaBerbero. And you can find Johnny at johnny 5 not 6 And don't forget us to follow – don't forget to find us and follow us and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and Spotify. We will hopefully be coming back with a more positive show next week after the Rams beat the Eagles – on Sunday Night Football, but until then, enjoy.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.